following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Give that to the Lord. He's worthy, not me. Give it to Him. Come on, give it to Him. That's good stuff. That's so good, so good. Y'all doing all right out there? I'm a little uh, weary and well-doing. Dr. Taylor's going to be writing me and saying, Pastor, get your rest. But I, I will tell you this, these early morning prayer meetings have absolutely energized me until about 4.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> and then I kind of run down. I, I'm not that energizer bunny about 4.30. And uh, so I've got a little spark over there that I, I advocate, whatever it is, I got a little spark, and I've been drinking a little spark, so I might go off here tonight. <laughs> Amen. I just might set, set myself on fire and let y'all watch me burn. Amen. I feel the Lord in this house tonight. I feel the presence of God in this house tonight. Uh, to all you that have been here for early morning prayer, we thank you, thank you, thank you. And to all those that are praying at their house, we thank you. There's no negatives here. There's no negatives. If you haven't come, don't think I'm thinking negative of you. I'm just proud for all those that are coming. It's just an honor to walk in this church on, on Monday and Tuesday and today and to see the great group of people that have come early. And uh, some of them, don't, they don't move around a whole lot. We're not having victory marches. If that, that bothers you, come and lead one. We'll, we'll let you lead one tomorrow. We're not having that, but we're having great prayer in our church, and we're covering this city with prayer. Today we prayed for our city, and I think, I think Austin is just going to be blessed by the prayer that we prayed for our city today. On Tuesday we prayed for the leadership of the church, and on Monday we prayed for the leaders of our country. We're praying for something different every day. We have these little first prayer books that you have here. Many people have never had an intercessory time with God. You don't know what prayer is all about. We've got instruction books on telling you how to pray. This church has gone to another level, and I, I'm very grateful. I am very, very grateful that God is leading us and guiding us. And it's not, it's not, that, it's not that just enthusiasm, inspiration start of a year like we normally have, but it is a year that is starting right. We are starting with prayer, and there's nothing greater than prayer. Jesus talked about it. He, he declared it. Not only did He talk about it, He did it. And whatever Jesus did, I think, is good enough for us. Amen? That's why I promote baptism so wonderfully, because Jesus never knew sin, and He got baptized. What, what, what's, what's holding you out from the water? Get in the water. Get identified with Him. Amen? Let the Holy Ghost get a hold of your life. I think it's just very neat. By the way, I just got to tell you something. I just got to tell you something. I'm going to jump to the end of my message here, but I got, I got to tell you something here. I'm going all the way to the end of my message, but I'm going to start it first. This little old kid, this little old boy that, that came in and did that, did that victory the other day, uh, he came in and did that victory for Alabama, a little old freshman. Uh, what some people don't know is he's a Holy Ghost filled kid. He's, not just, he's, he's a Holy Ghost filled kid. He got the spirit in him. And so one of these guys asked him, Pat Ford asked him at Yahoo Sports, he said, Tua? How in the name of Bear Bryant did a freshman bench jockey rise to this ridiculous pressurized occasion and become an instant hero? And he said, when I was on the sideline, I stayed calm by speaking in tongues. Yeah. 
He said, I prayed in tongues before every possession. I prayed in tongues after every possession. And he said, God just kept me calm. He threw an interception in the second half, and he went over and put his arm around Coach Nick Saban and started talking in tongues in his ear. I'm telling you something. I have never been an Alabama fan, but all of a sudden, I've jumped on the bandwagon of number 13. I want Holy Ghost kids all over the country leading everything we do. Come on, somebody. I love it. 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 Thank you, Tua. Thank you. I'm going to meet that kid. I'm going to meet him. He's going to get to meet me one day. And I'm going to get to meet him because God's going to let that happen. I just love kids like that. I love kids that just have that kind of faith and courage. And he, even after this game was over, he said, My mom and dad may not like what I'm about to say, but I give my thanks and praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Amen. You know what I think happened on that last pass if you saw that game? He probably overthrew that pass 15 yards. But David probably missed Goliath's head too. But when David threw the rock, the Lord directed the rock. And I think when that kid threw that ball, God said, I'm going to let it fall right down his hand, son. Just walk off and give me glory. And that's what he's doing. And I give glory to the Lord today because we got kids in the world that have given God glory. I just thought I'd share that with you. That's good stuff. That's about all I got to say about that. All right, let me say something here. On Friday night, January the 12th, 6.30 next door in the gym, the Young at Heart are meeting. This is their first event of the year, and I love the Young at Heart, and I'll be by, and I'll stay a while, I'll stay long enough to eat food and hug on everybody. And so I want you to try to be there. If you're over the age of 25, we want you there. No, I'm teasing. If you're, I think it's 50, 55. What is it, Brother Wayne? What's the age? 55? 55, 55 and older. If you're double nickel or older, come be a part of it. I'm barely in that group, but I'll be there. All right. <laughs> Amen. You folks are just such a blessing to be a pastor of. And so let's make, let's make that a part of our life on Friday if you get a chance, okay? Would you stand, your honor, honorable people, and I love you very, very much. I got a lot of things to tell you tonight, and I'm not going to hold you long because uh, we got prayer in the morning at 6 o'clock. I'm going to speak tonight on some things I have learned about prayer. I hadn't learned it all. I'm still, I'm still on a quest, but there's some things that I have learned about prayer. I'm going to read a text that's not on the screen. It just says simply in Luke 18, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. It's a parable. He made this story a part of life. He said at a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or even care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see she gets justice so that she won't eventually come back and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what that unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out, to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? Here's what I want to preach to you tonight. Do you still believe, do you still believe that prayer works? Amen. I still believe that prayer is an effectual door. It's an effective open door to the gates of heaven. Amen. I believe that. So, 
Turn to somebody and say, we're going to hear about prayer and we're not going to be bored tonight. God bless you. You may be seated. Two 12-year-old boys broke a window one day while playing baseball and they looked to see if anyone had seen them. Since they saw no one except for one of them's little brother, they went to him and offered him a piece of candy not to tell. And he refused. He said, no, I'm going to tell. And the older brother said, I'll give you my baseball. No, said the little one. What about a new glove? The other guy asked. He said, no. And so they both asked, well, what do you want? And with resoluteness, the little man said, I want to tell. I want to tell everybody I know. <laughs> it's hard to negotiate with brothers sometimes. It's also hard to deal with a hard-hearted judge. Had she been a ball player, this widow in Luke 18 would have been called out on strikes even before she came to bat. Strike one, she was a woman. In the biblical world, women were expected to know their place. But she makes a place. Instead of knowing her place, she makes a place. Strike two, she's a widow. Any status she might have had disappeared with the death of her husband. No intercessor in her stead. Strike three, she was poor. She was a woman, she was a widow, and she was poor. Her opponent, a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. His motivation was money, and she had none. And the judge could not be charmed. So here's my assumption. He must have been a Gentile. For if he had been a man of faith, a man of the Jewish faith, he would have cared more for his race. The biblical worldview, I put on the screen, one can't have regard for God without regard for God's people. Say it with me. You can't have regard for God without having regard for God's people. Turn to somebody beside you and say, I love you in the Lord. And if you can't say that without purity of heart, then you don't love the God whom you have not seen. You can't love who you have seen. The poor widow proves to be a heroine for she had a dogged persistence. She wanted the judge to hear her case, so she keeps at him, badgering, pestering him, until he hears her case just to get rid of her. And Jesus told this parable to emphasize that we need to pray always and not lose heart. Amen. Amen. Hear me. God's not like some godless judge who only answers prayer to be done with us. This defies logic. How could God be godless? The point is, if a persistent woman has her case heard by a lousy judge, then how much more likely will a loving God hear our prayers? Amen. Clap your hands to that. That's not me, that's the Word. Jesus teaches persistence in prayer. Why is persistence in prayer so important? Plain and simple, because we become so easily discouraged if we feel that our prayers are not answered. Meeting people who are pray without ceasing is a rare treat. I heard a story about two Orthodox monks, two Orthodox monks who were traveling with a group of tourists following the journeys of Paul in, 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 in the country of Greece. And these were unusual Orthodox monks because their monastery was in the Silicon Valley of California. And the Silicon Valley is usually not cited as a hotbed of Orthodox monasteries. And these two monks shared with their fellow passengers that their calling were men of prayer. Men of prayer. And they were asked, 
Why don't you do something more productive? <laughs> to which they answered, isn't prayer productive? Isn't it productive? Think about it. We persist in what we believe in. We work out, convinced it will shape us up. We study, convinced our knowledge will grow. We keep records because we know that the IRS probably one day will demand them. Is it possible that in our inability to continue with prayer is because we're not convinced that prayer really makes a difference? Can I jump ahead right now and tell you that when you pray, number one, God hears. And when you pray, number one, God cares. And when you pray, number one, God comes to where you are. There is never, ever an unanswered prayer in your life. Clap your hands for that because that's true. Never, never, God hears prayer. So the first thing I want to tell you is simply this. I, I, I read a little book called Following Jesus Without Embarrassing God. And in that book, I learned some things about prayer that I want to teach to you tonight. Number one is what prayer is not is this. Prayer is not magic. Prayer is not magic. The author of the book tells about his seven-year-old son preparing for bed one night. And just before he goes upstairs, he says to his family, I'm going to bed, seven years old, and I'm going to be praying. Anybody want anything? <laughs> Who wouldn't want prayer like that to be in their life? Like a shopping trip, a cart, a prayer basket, to list things that we want God to do for us. And then at the checkout line, God would bag all of our prayers in paper or plastic. What do you want? And come and put them in the trunk of our Volkswagens and we go home and have a nice day. But if prayer was magic, who could help but have a nice day? See, we confuse prayer with magic. Magic is an attempt to manipulate supernatural power so we can get what we want. Prayer is spiritual surrender so that we can become instruments of the divine will of Almighty God. That's right. The third commandment's all about that. You know it as this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Say it with me. You shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. And we often associate that with cursing and with swearing, but it's more than that. In the New Revised Standard Version, it says simply this. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Wow. Wow. When you pray in Jesus' name, we're praying that what we pray for is within the spirit of Jesus Christ to answer. God is not going to be used. God is the ultimate end and not the means to some other end. I'm telling you, prayer is not magic. The second thing that prayer is not, prayer is not reward for being particularly good or spiritual. Somebody sleepy right here. I caught that amen with a yawn. Amen. It's all right, sweetheart. I'm tired too. Everybody say it's not a reward. God does not grant prayers of spiritual folks while ignoring the prayers of regular folks. In an imperfect world, it's often the good folks who pay the price for being good. I love the story of the man who was stopped by Peter at the pearly gates. And Peter told him, not so fast, buddy. We got a new policy here. You have to tell me what you have done. Have you done a very good deed lately? And the man said, I have done a good deed. 
He said, I once saw a gang of skinhead bikers picking on a little old lady. And I went up to the leader and told him he ought to pick on someone his own side. And I punched him in the stomach and kicked over his Harley. And Peter was impressed. He said, that's a good deed. When did it happen? He said, oh, about three minutes ago. Prayer, prayer is not a reward for just being good. Sometimes the very best people pay for doing good. And the third thing that prayer is not, I want to get on what prayer is. I want to get through these not prayers. Prayer is not totally understandable. I totally believe in miracles, folks. I totally believe in miracles. I will never not believe in miracles because I am a miracle. God healed me when I was two days old. I am a miracle. Anybody ever had a miracle in your life? Come on. Are you a miracle? Will you classify yourself as a miracle? God is a miracle worker. Come on, let's clap for him. God's a miracle worker. I totally believe it. We've witnessed them. This church has witnessed them. We continue to pray for miracles, but I've also experienced the frustration of innocent, great people needlessly suffering and dying. Today I was in a little hospice house with Ted Banks and with Pastor Brad and with Pastor Randy, because there's a man there that we love dearly. His name is James Williams. James Williams made me believe in Santa Claus again. He came to this church and he started bringing me gifts every week. So many it filled my garage up. He blessed me and blessed me and blessed me and blessed me. And years ago I, I, I buried another man that did the same thing to me. His name was Chauncey Lewis. And Chauncey Lewis used to buy me all kinds of shoes and it made people jealous. Because he bought me shoes. But James Williams put a cross out in our, in our foyer one day and put some beautiful flowers on it for Easter. He bought the music department a new organ so that Randy would have something to play and he put, he put his own money in it. He was just, he's, and we're at, we're at this place today and he, he's in this hospice place. And if he lives through the day, it's going to be a miracle. But when we walked in to see him today, he lit up. He lit up. And he's just 71 years old and I'm asking God, I ask God today, you know, it tears me up when I see people that have done so good in life and so great in life, and tried so hard to do the right thing, have to suffer, have to go through what he's going through right now in his last days. I read something Mother Teresa said she felt one time. No one has seen the innocent suffering like she has seen with working with the lepers in India. And I find myself in agreement with her on two statements. She said, when I see God, he's going to have to explain a lot of things to me. And the second thing she said, God would have a lot more friends if God treated the ones he does have a little bit better. And I know that that's not funny, but that's her statement. But in spite of the mystery of prayer, we continue to pray. We continue to pray. Today, or yesterday, I received a text from a precious lady named Susan. And Susan Five years ago had cancer and the doctor said she wasn't going to live. And Susan is in the building tonight. And she went to the doctor yesterday. Stay with me. And the doctor said, you have no more cancer. 
And I'm gonna shout a little bit for Susan tonight because God is still a prayer answering God. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody want to rejoice with me? Anybody want to get happy about that? Woo! How many times pray for that which God is already fully aware of? This is how I pray. God doesn't need me to present a list of who's in the hospital or whose marriage is in trouble or who's in financial crisis. Yet I still keep letting God know all of this, for it links me with God's creativity, I think. Maybe God needs to know he has plenty of friends, and I'm one of them. Anybody here want to be a friend of God? Amen. Start talking to him on a daily basis. Come on. Start talking to him on a daily basis. He's real. Is prayer some kind of crutch, people ask? Of course it is. But what's wrong with crutches? If you've ever broken a bone, then you understand the importance of splints and cast. The crutches hold our bones in place so healing might take place. So it is with prayer. Prayer holds us in place. It keeps us believing. It keeps us travailing. It keeps us intercessory people so that God's healing can take place. Prayer is not magic. It's not a reward. And it's totally un, 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 not totally understandable. But there's four things that I want to preach that prayer is, and I'm going to let you go. And we're going to pray again in the morning. Number one, prayer always changes people. Even when it doesn't always change things. I preached one time, sometime God calms the storm. And then sometime God calms the people in the boat in the storm. But I promise you, when you pray, there's going to be a change in your life. There's going to be a change. One man stated, when we clasp our hands in prayer, it is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder in this world. <laughs> and when we lift our hands in prayer, we become the recipients of God's grace. Prayer always changes people. I had an old pastor tell me one time, he said, son, he said, I can get angry at people. I said, well, okay. He said, don't ever get angry at people. I can. He said, I can be in a steakhouse and I, somebody can come tell me that somebody said something about me. He said, I want to call them and chew them out and kick them out of the church. But said, let me go and come out of a prayer meeting. Let me come off of a, of a long fast and said, somebody says that. I said, oh God, don't worry about it. I'm just going to pray for them. He said, there's nothing like prayer to change your whole attitude about everything that happens around you. Come on, you got to talk to your best friend. You got to talk to your best friend. Let's clap our hands and say we're going to talk to him. No prayer is ever wasted. I heard about a church who was struggling with a difficult issue. I thank God this church don't struggle with that. A particular situation in the church, it was polarizing the people. But rather than hold a debate or a panel discussion, they made it, the, the pastor made the focus on prayer. And 200 people came one night and showed up to prayer until people were spiritually led to share what was on their heart. And the guidance of prayer led their hearts to be changed enough so they could lovingly listen to each other and solve the problem. Listen, prayer 
changes people. If you have aught in your heart, prayer changes people. If you need to forgive somebody, prayer changes people. If you're still mad about somebody firing you 10 years ago, prayer changes people. If you're still upset about that dog that bit you and you want to bite his head off when you cross down the road walking, prayer changes people. Come on, it's time to pray. It's a 21-day prayer time. And whether you're coming to this church or staying at home, you need to talk to the Lord every day. Come on, let's talk to Him. Let's talk to Him every day. Let's start our year with prayer. Prayer changes people. The second thing that prayer does is it helps us accept our lot. It really does. None of us control what happens around us. We can't control that. But with prayer, we can influence how we react to what happens to us. In prayer, we find the strength to quit fighting that which we can't change and start asking a better question. Now, what, now, now that this has happened, what can I do? pastor several years ago was preaching in a particular church and he felt compelled to pray for healing for the sick and a man with cancer was there that night and a few days later the man's wife called and told the pastor she wanted to let him know that her husband had died and the pastor was so discouraged by the news but the wife added that his prayers were not in vain she said for the last few years her husband had been so bitter over his diagnosis. But after the prayer of the pastor in the church that night, the man found real peace. And his last few days were the happiest, she said, he had ever spent on this earth. Pastor, she said, he might not have been cured, but he sure was healed. Prayer. Prayer. Let's us accept our lot. The third thing that prayer does is it offers assurance. It offers assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. Can you sing it now? This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day. Woo! Consider again this woman in this parable. All she wanted was the judge to hear her case. That's all she wanted. Isn't that the essence of prayer? That all we want is somebody to hear our case. We want our prayers heard. We want the assurance that God loves us and will stay with us through the dark moments as well as the good moments. I love to read in one of Charles Dickens' novels called Bleak House. A sad little fellow named Little Joe 
becomes ill with tuberculosis. And Dr. Alan Woodcourt comes, a young physician, to visit the boy. And during the course of their conversation, Alan asks the boy if he knows how to pray. And the lad has no religious upbringing whatsoever. And he confesses he knows nothing about prayer. And so Woodcourt asks little Joe to repeat the Lord's Prayer after him. And the physician begins, Our Father, which art in heaven. And little Joe repeats the words and then stops. He seems unable to go on. And Woodcourt hears him say over and over again, Our Father, Our Father, Our Father, Our Father, Our Father. And then little Joe sums up his feelings like this. That's such a good thing, sir. That's a very good thing. Our Father. I want to tell you something. In the morning when you show up for prayer or when you get up and sit by your bed or get in your, in your recliner and read your word in the morning and pray, look up to the heavens and say, Our Father. That's such a good thing to say. It's such a good thing to talk. It's, such a be it's probably the best thing could come out of your mouth early in the morning, Our Father. Oh, hallelujah. Which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Everybody say, for thine is the kingdom. And the power and the glory forever. Amen. Prayer does that for us. It offers assurance. And the last thing that prayer does, it promises that God intercedes when our prayers are inadequate. When you don't know how to pray, God still knows what you want and what you need. And He can be there even though your prayers are inadequate. The Scripture reminds us that we don't need to know how to pray as long as we do pray. I remember when I first started preaching as a young kid, I was just a kid, and I had a Thompson Chain Reference Bible and a Crudence Concordance. And now there's everything in the world, all kind of aids to help you preach now, but I had that. And I used to lay before the Lord. And I remember just crying, and God would drop something in my spirit. And I would drive it home. I'd say the same thing. Just driving home, I just broadside people with just a statement, a statement, a statement. And the next day I'd get another one. And one day I said, Lord, can you think you might give me two statements today? And he started giving me two. Because he could trust me with two maybe then. I said, you think you can give me three? He started giving me three. And when I got to a four-point sermon, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. But I'm here to tell you something. Even when I didn't know how to pray, I didn't really know how to study I was not raised in, in this with a pastor. I was just a saint's kid. And that's not, that's not, a, that's not, a, that's not a throwback. That's not, that's not an insult. But my mom and dad did teach me how to pray. But they never taught me how to study the Word. And the Word became so rich in me. Because when you pray, when you pray, no matter if you know how to pray or not, God opens the Word to you. He opens it to you. And the things that I have to read now, I used to be able to quote. But I love the Word of God. When you come and get up in the morning and pray, get your word there. Get your word in your hand and start reading that word. Paul said it this way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Wow! Hallelujah! A marvelous example of the Lord's intervention occurred in 1932. A composer's wife died while she was giving birth, and a few days later the baby also died. 
and the composer was brokenhearted and sat at the piano musing upon a hymn. And the hymn was, Must Jesus Bear the Cross Alone? And the song asked, Must Jesus Bear the Cross Alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. As he modulated those chords, the Holy Spirit interceded. And new chords and new words emerged. And the composer's grief began to yield to faith. And Tommy Dorsey wrote, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on and let me stand. I am tired. I am weak. I am worn. But through the storm and through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me home. Prayer will lead you home. I have a precious little grand, great nephew, little great nephew. His name is Zach. It's Reed's boy. The other day, I'm closing. Randy, if you'll help me. He walks into the bathroom. His dad's getting dressed, combing his hair. And, and J.C. comes in so Reed knows it's going to be serious. So he walks in. This kid's about 80 years old. He's about this tall, but he's 80 years old. He's an old soul. I tell Reed that all the time. So he's an old soul, smart as a whip. He walks in and said, Dad, I need to talk to you about some things. And Reed said, what's that, son? He said, about this Santa Claus thing. <laughs> I need to know, Daddy. Is there a Santa Claus? So Reed puts it back on him. He said, well, what do you think, son? He said, well, I'm having a problem with it, Dad. <laughs> and Reed said, well, whatever you believe is what it is. He said, well, okay. I don't think I'm going to follow that anymore. He said, what about that tooth fairy? He's going to cover the whole nine yards. <laughs> what about that tooth fairy? He said, what do you think? He said, Dad, I think that scratched out to you. He said, what about them elves on the shelf? <laughs> do they really move around and read? He said, what you said, Daddy? I just can't accept that. Brilliant child. He walks outside the bathroom and he says, my whole life has just been a lie. <laughs> Hell would love for you to think that prayer is nothing more than just a little bit of an emotion, just a little bit of a feeling. That you pray yourself into a certain state and you feel the warmth of your own tears and your own heart and it just gives you a little comfort. Hell would like you to believe that prayers are not answered. But I want you to, I want you to really look inside your spirit tonight. Look inside your spirit tonight and ask yourself, have I ever prayed for something that I really needed? Not wanted, but I needed that God didn't come on the scene. He may not come when you think He's going to come, but God always answers prayer. Amen? It may be go. It may be go. It may be woe. Wait a minute. Or it may be no. But God always, always answers prayer. So here's what I want to tell you in closing. Do you think that He knows more about your life than you do? 
Do you think he cares more about your life than you do? He wouldn't put you in some situations that you put yourself in, but you put yourself there. Some choices you've made, and then you want God to bail you out. But I'm going to tell you something. You listen to me. There's 21 days of prayer and fasting. You can get on a track. You flat out can get on a track and start walking in the favor of God like you never have before. Because when Abraham took Isaac to the top of the mountain, God already knew Abraham's heart. But when he saw his action and he came back, the Lord said, now I know. He already knew. But he wanted to see Abraham's action so he could tell him, I know what your heart's all about. And God knows our hearts. And God knows that we want to pray and we desire to pray. But I think it's time that we put our, our, our words into action and say, Lord, you're not going to bear this cross by yourself. Take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm worn. There's nothing that will revive you and refresh you like the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Amen. So I'll close with the words of H. Jackson Brown who wrote, in the confrontation between the stream and the rock, the stream always wins. Not through strength, but through persistence. Just keep, just keep moving. Just keep moving. Folks, I am, I'm way past 50. I'm past 55. I used the word kids the other day on the porch and somebody said, you calling us kids? I said, you're younger than me, you're a kid. That's a compliment. I wish somebody would call me that every now and then. I'd jump up and run and do the Toyota jump. But at our prayers be streams which beat upon the rock of evil and let us pray through the sickness and through the pain and through the hurt. Would you stand? I close with this very intriguing little story I want to share with you. I love to tell stories. I read an intriguing story about a visiting pastor. Been in a worship service where a man prayed a pointed prayer for a friend. Dear Lord, the man prayed. The pastor, the visiting pastor heard him. You know Charlie Stolfus. You know him. He lives in that silver trailer down the road about a mile from the church. He's leaving his wife and kids. Please do something to bring the family together, God. Amazingly, as the man prayed, he repeated the location. It's that silver trailer down the road about a mile. That's where he lives, Charlie Stolfus. The pastor of the visit wanted to say, knock it off, fella. Don't you think God, don't you think God asking what that address again is, is a little bit heavy on God? And after the prayer, the visiting pastor priest and then left to drive home. And on the turnpike, he just got on the turnpike, he noticed a hitchhiker and decided to give him a lift. It was a cold night. He told him what his name was and the pastor said, what's your name? And he said, Charlie Stofus. And the hitchhiker told him his name and the pastor was dumbfounded. It was the young man for whom the prayer had been offered just that night. The pastor got off at the next exit. And the hitchhiker said, hey, where are you taking me? He said, I'm taking you home, son. I'm taking you home. And the hitchhiker stared in amazement as the pastor drove right up to the young man's silver trailer. Because he had heard it from a man's prayer. And that day, that young man and his wife 
surrendered their hearts to the Lord, became children of God. Today, that hitchhiker is a preacher of the gospel. Never forget, simple prayers are powerful. Simple prayers are powerful. They're powerful. I love to talk about prayer. I love to talk about prayer. I wish I could tell you I spent four or five, six hours a day praying. But I'll tell you what I do. Let me tell you what I do. There's never a time when prayers are not on my lips, whatever I'm doing. I catch myself singing songs and hymns and prayer. I wake up sometime and I got a little cramp in my leg or something and I say, help me Lord, help me Lord. That's praying. <laughs> because I know the only one that can help me is Him. Come on, let's fall in love with Jesus again in January of 2018. And let's get up in the morning, no matter if you stay home or come to church. I'll look for you here. But no matter where you are, let's have a prayer time. Let's have a prayer time on Friday. Then Saturday, I'm going to be directing prayer here on Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. We're going to have a great day. And then Sunday, pastor's going to be preaching again. And I'm going to preach something that is going to help you again on this thing called prayer. We're starting the year this year saying, Our Father which art in heaven. Don't that sound good? Yes. Don't that sound good? Lift your hands. Lift your hands all over the building. You're the most beautiful people that I could ever be a pastor of, and I love you. And I want you to pray with me. Dear Father, let the Holy Ghost come down and visit our family and touch our lives and bless our homes and bless our future. Holy Ghost, do a work in our lives like you never have before. Jesus, we love you. We love you with all of our hearts. We're going to pray to you. We're going to intercede to you. We're going to pray for miracles. We're going to pray for things in our life. We're going to pray for needs. Not just wants, but needs. God, open up the windows of heaven and let the rain of the Holy Ghost come and let us fall under it and be subject to what it has in our life or what he has in our life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.